Okay, so you may be without your phone soon, Peter, because you it fell. But I've been without my phone for almost like two and a half days, almost three full days. You used alternative methods to contact me. I did. I went. I went through uh, both Twitter and uh, Bird Signal. Did my pigeon make it to you? No, I think there was a malfunction with your pigeon bot 5000. This morning when I took the dog out, and the dog went for Thanksgiving back to South Carolina with AJ, and this was my reuniting with the dog after I got home. And so we went out this morning, and it was very cold, and I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt like an idiot. And we went down, and, and it was ve- I was very cold. I said, Cranberry, please hurry. Please just go to the restroom. And then all of a sudden, I started being surrounded by crows. And not like one, like one or two, like a lot of crows. Like t- upwards of 10 to 15 crows up in the trees, all cawing a lot. And then the sun like came over the ridge and warmed my face and blinded me. And as I kind of told you outside, I think... Just even being without my phone for two days, I have uh, gone back to full pagan sun worshiping. I am controlling crow armies. I am uh, honoring the birds and the squirrels of the trees. Even the wood rattled as I stood there and, and watched the sunrise and its splendor. The animals begging me to stay to see the glory of this sunrise. And uh I didn't feel the need to connect outward through the internet. Not that it's not a good thing to do. And we're doing that here, but I sort of felt like I was living in another time and space. And I felt full communication to the birds. I felt really good about it. And it sounds sometimes when I describe these things, like they're just ridiculous and marvelous. And I'm living sort of in a, uh, my own literature or my own, uh, fantasy. But really what I'm living in is a rock and roll fable. And guys, Rock and Roll Fables is our presenting sponsor this week. They cover music, multimedia, rock and roll, heavy energy, fantasy, everything, you name it. And you can find them on Twitter at R&R Fables, or you can go to the website, rockandrollfables.com. Check out their coverage. Check them out. See what they've got. There's so many uh, interesting people putting content up there, covering a lot of things. Sometimes we put our phones down, but sometimes we pick them up. And if we're going to pick them up, Rock and Roll Fables. May as well pick them up and go to the site. Check out what they're doing. Thank you so much for sponsoring Weekend at Effie's, where I just had a week. Peter, I know you just had a week. And what are we feeling about the energy of today? Because I have my own thoughts. Well, first off, do you know what a army of crows is actually called? Please let me know. A murder. A murder of crows. I was followed by a murder of crows. They were very magnificent, and I've always felt like, you know, you can kind of talk to crows. Crows sort of know what's going on, and there's been battles before of birds with these crows around our neighborhood, sort of, uh, you know, I guess territorially. So, shout out to the murder of crows. I really love that. I'm going to, can I just like flip off the locations we're about to cover this week? Yes. And because I have to make a point before we get any deeper into where we're at, which is Chicago to Los Angeles to Brooklyn, back to Atlanta, and then to Denver, and here we are on this Black Friday, and a little late to get the episode out, but we things are crazy. It was Thanksgiving yesterday. Now, one of those sticks out, Los Angeles. It doesn't really fit with the rest, because the rest of these towns, Chicago and Brooklyn, and uh, what is the, what was the last one? I, oh, Denver. These are very cold places, Peter, mm-hmm. and... 
it is just getting into the winter. You know, it's still November, but I'm going into these places for a few hours at a time, realistically, be it about 24 hours or what it may be. And so I'm getting the worst of their winter. I get to face it head on and then I get to leave. And the only thing I could compare it to all week was sort of being a gay uncle. And you kind of, you, you take on the role of a gunkle, you know, with a lot of courage and with pride and you want to make sure we're raising the kids right, but you don't have to do it forever. Mm -hmm. And so I get to sort of roll in, you know, you go, Oh, look at this. It's a little chilly, a little cold. Like I can feel it. The winter, it snows a little bit. Maybe you get a snowstorm here or there. Maybe you get to feel that vibe. And then you get the hell out of there as soon as it gets too ornery to deal with. And you go back to y'all. How do y'all live here? How do you do this all the time? I was here for 10 hours and I thought I was going to lose my mind, but it was great to spend time here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It reminds me of why I don't live in Chicago. Because if you would have asked me April to October, I would, I would be like, why why am I not living in Chicago? I love Chicago. And November hits and you go, this is the, what are y'all doing? This is the worst place I've ever been to. Chicago is the first place I ever saw snow when I was a kid. Yeah. I grew up in Africa, so (laughs) we don't get a lot of snow over there. And my parents put me outside, you know, to go play in the snow for the first time. And they look back out 10 minutes later and I was laying down in the snow, fully catatonic, having just had my first panic attack. And they like pulled me of back what? inside. Why is the sky <laughs> falling? Why are there ice in the sky? What is happening here? Well, I'm glad that you were just thrown right into it, into the winter uh, shock. Maybe it's good for people to get in the winter shock. I hate the cold. I actually have uh, a few aspects in my natal chart that say I do not do well in the cold. I'm meaner in the cold. I'm very direct in the cold. Uh, and I think that's a good character quality to explore more often, especially I feel like at this point in my career, being put in situations where my body is uncomfortable enough to where I will not beat around the bush. In the South, baby, I'm comfy. I'm warm. We got gravy. It's all hot and sticky down here. We don't got to get right to it. We're going to drink a tea. But out there, I'm like, I'm going the fuck inside. (laughs) I pretended I had to poop twice to be able to walk away from being outdoors. You know what I mean? Like, it's that sort of vibe. Not because of anybody. Effie's never pooped. And as somebody, you know, it's not like, it's not an offensive thing. It's just more like this. The quickest exit here is I, it's, I'm so cold and I feel like a little baby and I've got to get out of this cold. And also I had to do extra cold because Thanksgiving travel, the prices are terrible. And I like to listen, I'm a businessman. I'm doing a business venture, but I am assisting another business and I like to work with the other business to make it work for them. So I took the cheaper flight in and spent my Thursday night in Chicago with uh, one Trevor Outlaw who took me out for tacos and I had literally the best horchata I've ever had in my life. Like it was another level of horchata and I'm a big horchata guy. Like if I go to a Mexican restaurant, I'm not only going to order the tacos, I'm going to get some dips. I'm going to get a dessert and I'm going to get a horchata and I might get a Mexican Coke to go with it because of the sugar. I don't order little in any restaurant I go to. And so I got to, we actually went to two different crazy Chicago taco places (laughs) And while I was in Denver, while I was in Chicago, and this is a genuine thing, is like I understand, you know, sort of traveling to America, traveling to a new place. And there are a lot of Mexican immigrants in, in, in Texas, in Arizona, in New Mexico, uh, you know, even all around the South. It's great. I love Mexican culture. I love being able to get real Mexican food. Man, but boy, why did y'all go to these cold places? Denver and Chicago have such vibrant, beautiful, wonderful Mexican populations 
in there. And I'm just, I feel like we're looking at each other going, it's too cold for anyone. What are we doing? But boy, those, you get a hot plate of tamales with, with that green chili salsa and those, that cheese is melted with some beans on the side. It does sort of warm your soul all the way from the inside out. And I'm sure we're going to get some emails in weekend at effies at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or want to sponsor the podcast, uh, about why these immigrations took place, which I'm fascinated to learn more, and I probably should have done my own research. But I do think, well, this is the least like Mexico, and maybe that has something to do with it. Of This is sort of the opposite of what Mexico would be, but some of the best Mexican food in my life, Denver, Chicago. Chicago, though, Friday, I don't usually have extra Chicago time, and when I do, though, I want to get artsy. I want to get a little artsy-fartsy. So we did make our way, Trevor and myself, to the... A modern Museum of Art, the Museum of Contemporary Art. Wonderful. And I hesitate to even speak this next part. And here's what's crazy. Since I saw it Friday, this exact thing appeared to me, I believe, two more times. I want to say I can confirm at least one more time, but I believe I saw this item two more times. And that can say more about where I was and what I was doing and what I was seeing. This Dolly Tarot set, dude. Have you seen this thing? No. The boxed Dolly purple velvet tarot set with the gold explanation book all the cards designed to be given away there was a whole there's a whole thing about it don't even look at it i'm buying it for you for christmas it's a podcast gift i just i'm glad i saw the look on your face because i'm sitting here going does he already have it somewhere does he have it in a box am i gonna have two (laughs) are we gonna be weird but they definitely had it at this gift shop and it is not the biggest museum in chicago but the exhibits that they had there were fantastic a lot of uh, make it with your own brain. Uh, but I want to, I cannot remember the name. I think I want to say a BD something, a BD something. This artist had a setup and it was uh, the man who talked himself away or the man who talked himself to disappearing. And it's basically all this really intense, sort of funny, ironic play on political violence against people who speak out against stuff. And it was one of the craziest exhibits I've ever been a part of. Super multimedia. I wish I could remember the name. We probably could look this up. MCA, a, a body. It doesn't matter right now. You'll find it. The people will find it. Video uh, plays on slide play, figure play, letter awesome. play. Incredible stuff. So shout out the MCA in Chicago. I got to explore it. And then that night I was main eventing the Logan Square Auditorium which we've talked about that place on the show. I can never get over how beautiful it is to be inside of this place. And in winter, it becomes a haven because you're outdoors. There's so much wind around these buildings. You're right in the middle of this square where, uh, you know, in Logan Square, all these roads meet. So all the air that comes through sort of like centrifuges by this giant roundabout. And so it's very cold out there. But you get inside and the lights are on and it's so warm. They don't really have real heat on, but just the amount of people in there sort of fills it up with our breath. Everybody breathe as much as you can. Are we vaccinated? Everybody's vaccinated. But I did get to main event that night. And the controversial part of this was that, not that I tapped out to Robert Ego Anthony because he cheated the whole time. None of that matters. He's an asshole. He's a liar and a thief. But that he had Frank the Clown out there with him. And Frank These the Clown. clown. This fucking clowns. There's clowns everywhere, man. And this one's a real clown. And he really got in my business. Now, did I give him a Stone Cold Stunner? Oh, hell yeah. I did. But did I also kiss him on the mouth just to know? And I hope people saw the emotional context I gave to this. I kissed this clown on the mouth, ripped his wig off so I could feel the back of his head. If I'm not putting my hands through your hair, what are we doing? Yeah. 
gave him the full kiss. I wanted to know. And now I'm going to just apologize directly to Noel Foley. I'm sorry you have to do that. He was, I mean, all tongue, all spit. It was aggressive. I was fine with it, but boy, yeah, not kissing the clown again. As you can guess, I gave him a sunner right after. Was I distracted? Yeah. Uh, but I want to know, you know, we, we can't keep letting this, this clown, man. This clown is causing, it doesn't matter. We're past the clown. We left again. We got more Mexican food, and I got to hang out with my homies all night. Jordan Oliver, Big Breakfast, legendary veteran of the game. Cole Radrick. Big Breakfast? He's, okay, so here's the, here's the deal on Jordan Oliver, and I don't know how much of this he would want me to get into, but I don't care. Jordan Oliver is one of my favorite people in all of professional wrestling. He is such a vet mindset of how he puts his matches together, how he approaches the business. But a long time ago, a little while ago, everybody said he was too scrawny. All right. He's too little, too scrawny. And when you see Jordan Oliver, he's a lot taller than you would expect. He's like a solid 6'2. And you're like, damn. And he's got big, wide shoulders. And you're like, even if he's skinnier, you still, he has a presence to him. And I think people were just like, kind of in that jealous mood of like, this kid has everything. What, what can we dog him for? And they're like, well, he's skinny. Like, so they kind of gave him shit for it. Well, he said, fuck it. I'm going to start eating breakfast. So he became this heavyweight real life, like wrestling contender by just eating breakfast and becoming like, like he weighs more than me now. And he looks great and he's solid and he throws motherfuckers around like never before. And they really pushed him over the edge. They were like, Oh, you're so skinny. And he was like, all right, well I'm gonna fuck you up. And it's, brilliant and beautiful and we got to hang out and watch wrestling we watched a bunch of survivor series matches because obviously it was coming up so we were just watching through that which we'll get to survivor series this this episode's going to go to places and it's going to get a little out of control here in a second we're cooling into shit but it's been a very long week peter and as i'm remembering things in my mind i am going to get a little hot later so hold on also with us was the lovely Cole Radrick, the ratty daddy, who I said on commentary, he figured out he's a little bit hot, and now he's got some confidence, and it's awesome. He killed it. They had a great tag match. Hysteria taking on Hysteria, the team of Cole Radrick and Sage Phillips, taking on Dan the Adam Warhorse, Ruckus, tore the place down. Uh, Freelance Wrestling always has such sick shows, but also, shout out to their women's scramble. They had a full-on women's scramble. It was wild. It was all over the place. The women did crazy stuff, insane stuff. When you give people that platform, they typically shine more than you'd even expect because you don't expect things. So freelance gives that platform. I think it's beautiful. I had to catch a really early flight though, because I'm going from Chicago to LA and people are like, Oh, like what's your schedule? And when I tell it to people, they're like, you're an idiot because my schedule was literally just let's go to every major metropolitan area in in the US this weekend that's nowhere near each other Chicago to LA to Brooklyn to home wild so i catch this early flight to LA and i land pretty early and we meet up with the lovely EC3 the essential character freethenarrative.com check out EC3 stuff that he's doing there's a really cute picture of us that's going to be coming out that i think people will enjoy he is a former WWE star, a former Impact star. He's done some of the most interesting narrative work in wrestling when he's been allowed to. And so I got to hang out with him for a little while. But I will say this. To the Commerce Casino in Commerce, California, part of Los Angeles, California, y'all gave him a spa pass, and y'all did not give me a spa pass. But because of that, I was a little frustrated. And what do I do when I'm frustrated? And I have plenty of time to kill in a casino. I gamble. Now, Peter, this casino, I got to be direct. This is, 
And I no offense to to Championship Wrestling, no offense to United Wrestling Network. The venue, the setup for that show, for that pay per view, incredible. I had a wonderful match with Jordan Cruz. We were going at it. We went crazy. Effie goes wild. Debut of my new Championship Wrestling theme song. So sick. Sounds great. Uh, but this casino, they're not allowed to have slots in this casino because it's not a Vegas style casino. So there's only table games, and but there's no craps. So it's only card games, mostly baccarat, poker, and some small weird tables with a few blackjacks. But the minimums are really low. So first I said, let me gorge. I went and had a full plate of crepes and a full plate of some kind of biscuit meat combination. And when I was full, I said, I'm ready. And I went in there. And I think Dave Marquez thought I was joking. Shout out to David Marquez, who has many Emmys and booked me in this match for later. I said, he said, well, I don't really want people selling merch during the show, which makes sense. We're on the pay-per-view. It's going to look a little sloppy in the back. You want it to look pro. I said, well, good. Well, I'm going to go play blackjack. And he said, all right, we'll have fun. And I went and I played blackjack. $10 minimum hands. I mean, pop to blackjack. I'm sweating. I'm over here just running through hands. Up and up, not taking crazy risks, not playing these bonuses, not messing around, just flipping on blackjack, playing hot, playing steady. I cannot gamble with people around me. And usually they're like, if you gamble alone, you have a problem. I'm like, when I gamble alone, I win. When there's nobody around me distracting me, you know me, I'm easily distractible. I'm very sociable if people are around. I'm going to talk. I'm paying attention. You're an air sign. I'm a what? You're an air sign. Air sign. We're up here. We're talking. But if I can just zone in and stone face that table it's just me and the dealer i don't care who's around me guess what i am winning hands i might lose view but i'm focused i'm winning i go get up i roll back just in time for you know dress rehearsal as they call it which is when i get dressed way too early and i go what are we doing we're not even rehearsing and they go i said i said i got up on i got up on the tables he said you weren't kidding i said no i said we're good i covered i covered merch at least for the first half of the show so we're good my match was on very first. I got to watch the rest of the show. I got to hang out with all the wrestlers. They bring in such a wide variety of not only like cool West Coast guys, but also like Damian Mizdow is there. And, uh, you know, obviously EC3 is there. And uh, other people are. It was cool. It was fun. It was a very easy show. I enjoyed being in Los Angeles for all of eight hours. I got to hang out with cool people. And at 11.59 p.m., the plane took off out of LAX, and I was on it because I had to get to Brooklyn, which y'all can believe what you need to. I did not know Survivor Series was this day. I knew it was around them, but I didn't know it was in Brooklyn on this. Like, I kind of had an idea it was nearby, but not, like, on the day of. And then it made sense why I was in Brooklyn, because I was wrestling for the industrial wrestling worldwide. I think I'm saying it wrong. Technique to training. Secret. VIP ultra of underground event uh, against Logan Black. And this, I landed very early. I got to go get breakfast. I had a great time. MV Young got out of bed to come get me at fucking JFK. What a fucking saint. And uh, the lovely Tom took us around town. I got bagels. Now, have you ever been to Brooklyn before? To Brooklyn? Are you a Bro- Have you ever been to Brooklyn before? No, I've been in the airport. Okay, there's a, there's this place called, and I know it's probably not the like ultimate underground bagel place, but it's called Knickerbocker Bagel, and I don't even bring it up for the bagels. The bagels are great. The orange juice 
is like the nectar of the gods. They squeeze it right there in front of you. It is a giant cup. You know, like my problem with an orange juice is I'm a gulper. I'm going to gulp in two gulps whatever orange juice you give me. It's the same reason I order two Diet Cokes at the restaurant. I'm a thirsty boy. I got to drink. Boom. The biggest damn orange juice. Is it expensive? It's damn expensive. And realistically, I just wanted the orange juice, the orange carrot combo juice, where they juice both of them in front of you. It's like a, a bomb of energy for the rest of your day. So now I'm loaded on carbs. I'm loaded on OJ. And we're doing this underground, crazy, like queer DJ party energy show. And a lot of these people like are very casual to wrestling, don't watch a lot of wrestling. They're not in town for the WWE. They are Brooklyn people. They are queers. They are people of all sorts of backgrounds. And so you get to bring them into your world kind of uninitiated and fresh, which is the best audience to have of all. And luckily, Jimmy Lloyd was doing a show the day before in North Carolina and came up. And I said, Jimmy, come hang out. Okay, cool. He guided me to be a more hardcore soul for these people. And we brought the hardcore energy. We were breaking trash cans. We were snapping each other. There was barbed wire chairs. We were throwing each other at church pews. I humped a man's face on top of a church pew just to prove a goddamn point. Uh, the event was called Thoughts and Prayers. There's apparently another thing called thoughts and prayers and so guys calm down we don't all have to sue each other nobody made that much money on this event it'll be okay cease and desist are for losers who want to be corporate uh bootlickers so just everybody should understand information is meant to be free pay those for information that deserve it and don't get caught up in the fucking fuss thoughts and prayers ruled afterwards though somehow jimmy lloyd's magical i'm pretty sure and we've discussed jimmy on this show a little bit jimmy lloyd goes hey bro I got tickets to the Survivor Series. I said, where's that? He said, it's down the road at the Barclays Center. I said, you mean Jay-Z's the Barclays Center? He said, yeah. I said, how'd you get him? He said, well, I'm a member of the Hurt Business, which is a WWE faction. I said, well, cool. Okay, so their corporate WWE tickets, we're not paying for them. Sick. We go down to the Barclays Center, and I immediately actually rewind. Because Saturday night, Matt Cardona showed up. On the Impact pay-per-view. So mind you, I'm on the Championship Wrestling pay-per-view going on. And then he's on the Impact pay-per-view going on, which the Impact pay-per-view probably did at least 12 more buys than our pay-per-view because I, you know, there's a few people who watch Impact. And all of a sudden, my fucking phone blows up. And what do I see but this dumbass Matt Cardona in the same knockoff Wish version of my jacket that he had made. And I heard your girlfriend yelling at you backstage. I know what you spent on everything. It wasn't as much as me, but it was too much for a joke. And so now you're trying to get your worth out of it. So you're here on the Impact pay-per-view. And mind you, I don't mind helping other wrestling content get over. I don't mind helping it get to the next place. He just wore his Halloween uh, costume? He wore his Halloween costume. Are you fucking kidding Without me? the fishnets. That's the lamest shit I've ever heard. The lamest shit on their pay-per-view. Oh. But also, it's even lamer that Impact played like they didn't know. They were like, he's being stylish. And I was like, hold on. Queen coming through. Let me say a statement. I don't care. But I didn't see much else from that pay-per-view on the main timeline. So God bless you. I'm glad it works. And I was fine with it. And I knew. And people acknowledged it right away. Like, I was very happy once people go, like, hundreds of people going, uh, that's clearly Effie. Like, that's an Effie thing. You're doing Effie. It's very clear. Go ahead and just admit it. You know, this is, I think he's having dreams about me now, Peter. Like, it's mm -hmm. getting to a point where I might have to reach out to someone close to him and say, can you check on him? Can you make sure he's capable of, it doesn't matter, though, for him. Whatever. So, on the same note, 
I'm on my way to the Barclays Center. I'm riding in an Uber XL because, you know, we've got a rowdy crew. Shout out Marcus Mathers, who came out there and met us as well. And boom, all on my fucking timeline, Becky Lynch doing the same Wish version of my jacket again. Full entrance, opening the show of Survivor Series. We're a little late because who shows up on time and I'm gay. Main, you know, opening contest, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, here she comes. And what do I see on my fucking phone again? Ba, 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 ba. And you know Lucy. Lucy hears me. And if you hear Lucy, you know the deal. Ba, ba, ba. In Effie shit. And people go, well, does does Becky Lynch even know who Effie is? Well, let's clear the air on that. Because pretty obvious she does. Since I just taught a fucking seminar at her boyfriend, husband, baby daddy's school in Iowa. I, I think you're aware of what I'm doing when I'm over here guest guest teaching, doing TED Talks for the students to help them make a little money. You know what I do is hot. You know what I do is over. At least blow a kiss and acknowledge it. And all I ask was that I get to at least weigh the knockoff because mine weighs 20, 23 pounds, 24 if it's covered in blood. And I don't think either of theirs weighs anything near that. And let's talk about a warm-up, put on a 23-pound jacket, and then start jumping around. I was cartwheel. When I like saw your jacket for the first time in real life and held it, I was astonished at how heavy that thing is. Like it's a fucking suit of armor that you're wearing out there. It's a centerpiece for a future exhibit at the MCA. Shout out Chicago. So let's let's focus on the reality of I get it and and it's I may sound frustrated here and I'm really not, but it is, you know, Give me my flower. Note I didn't say flowers. Give me my flower. Honor and respect it. Put some fucking respect on the name. But I will say this. Y'all feel free to take anything you need to from me. You call yourself whatever you need to, whatever name you've heard from Effie, whatever bit of info Effie gave you, whatever side convo seminar Effie gave you after your match. Take it. Use it. Steal my ideas because I have never run out. I have never hit a point where I'm out of inspiration or new thought or new ideas because I'm constantly thinking and churning. So if I've got to go back end wrestling with storylines and things that make sense and fashion and confidence and rock and roll, if that's what I've got to do, then boom, I've got to do it. Rockandrollfables.com at R&R Fables. They are an incredible sponsor of the show. Rock and roll is a big part of my life, but the fantasy aspect of everything else in our world, all the new media, all the new things, they are covering it. They are bringing you into what's hip. They are bringing you into what's now. And what is interesting to those of us with a bit of an art brain in this wild rock and roll lifestyle, rock and roll is everything. It's an attitude. Electric, fantastic, fuck you. That's what Effie means. And R&R Fables gets that. At R&R Fables on Twitter, rockandrollfables.com. Check it out. Incredible. Thank you for sponsoring the show. If you want to sponsor Weekend at Effies at gmail.com. Or if you have questions, send them in. I don't read them. Peter does. We've got a lot more to talk about, though, because this is right when I'm walking in. I said, let's play with people. They didn't know I was coming into Survivor Series. And I said, boom, let me go handle this. So we roll into Survivor Series. And let me tell you something. I live in the indie wrestling world. And sometimes I ask myself, because you should always check yourself before you wreck yourself. Am I working too slow in the ring? Am I doing too little? Am I not giving enough to the crowd? Should I be doing more things? Should I be going crazier? Should I have more falsies at the end of this thing? And then I watched a WWE pay-per-view objectively from the audience. I read uh, the report after that it was 80 minutes of 
80 minutes of advertising and video packages and 100 minutes of actual wrestling. Ouch. They booked every match almost the same, and they were identical match types. It was so, 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 so slow. And I got a little insight on this later in the week, but you're watching and you're going, these wrestlers must be bored. These are world-class. They have some of the most incredible athletes they've ever had, and you can feel them sort of dialing themselves back and dialing themselves back from what they're capable of doing and it hurts your heart and it makes you sad you know it's sort of like uh, imagine if bozo the clown you know was doing perfect shakespeare at home every night and should have been the king lear we always needed in that role but he was just stuck being bozo every fucking night of his life i can see why that would be frustrating but also uh give me some money you know i want to I mean? see that movie Give me some money. The clown that just wants to do Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. And he keeps uh, accidentally having outbursts that people Uh think are random, but it's just him doing scenes from Shakespeare that they don't even understand because they're in entertainment, but they've never studied the media of how how uh, the mediums uh, of what led us here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Crazy stuff. Uh, We'll get to the insight in a minute because this is, I think, poetic in a way or either I'm just irresponsible. Either way, I finished in brooklyn i had such a good time now you know me i check in on the die here's an update on the die all weekend i'm rolling great i'm just rolling the die checking in once a day usually i don't want to overdo it checking in on the die I'm rolling. what's the number you want well here's how it works or what's really. the sequence and it opens itself to you in a different sort of way and there's a different context to it where you know i told you at ring of honor i rolled a sevens with nothing on the board and i didn't really realize okay well if there's nothing on the board and you roll sevens you win Craps, what a wild game. I love playing craps in casinos, but I'm playing craps with my uh, tarot readings now. So all weekend I'm rolling stuff like a hard four. Hard four would be great. You get bonuses on that if you were playing some chips. And as long as you keep hitting in the range of not sevens, you're going to do great in craps and your bets just keep rising up. But obviously you hit the seven. We've talked about craps here. So into the weekend, I've checked in. I've had a lot of hard fours, good matching couples, you know, great numbers. Doubles on twos, baby. And then all of a sudden, finish. I'm laying in the bed. We're done. I'm in the hotel room. I'm turning it off. I'm going to bed. Sevens. Clear the fucking board. I'm going home. And I go home. I get right into that bed. I rest. And then I have my stream. Now, our week is not done. Because now it's Friday. The reason we got a little held back, I went on a secondary excursion with my week to Denver, Colorado. So I was there Monday. I was there Tuesday, hung out with the boy, hung out with the dog, did our thing. He was going to see his family. Lucy likes hearing me tell the stories. Lucy's up here watching me eye to eye. I love it. I know. And I said, uh, Lucha Libre and laughs. I'm on the way Wednesday. Now Thanksgiving traveling. Did we talk about this at the beginning of the show? The Thanksgiving traveling sort of, we breathe, we, they, no one, no one's happy. They're all so mad. And now we're right before the day. So it's the people who are irresponsible anyway. Now I'm traveling right on time for work as it may be. And also, you know, no offense to Southwest. I really like a lot about Southwest Southwest on Thanksgiving. When people have to pick their chairs, it is not the most fun of all. Uh, people are real rowdy in the TSA. I, I didn't feel their pressures and their energies though. And it was fantastic in that sense. Now, the whole time I'm doing this, my phone is kerfluffling. It's going. My phone is, it's like flashing. The screen is crazy. It's wild style. I don't know what to do. I can barely get in contact with anyone and it's Thanksgiving. And then it dies. I get to Denver. It dies. Who 
fucking cares. Let's go. Denver was incredible. It was snowing lightly. Shout out to Buddy Boy Dispensaries, the sponsor of Lucha Libre and Laughs out there at the Oriental Theater. It is such a fun environment to wrestle in Denver like that. The people are there to party, to have fun. They are not regular WWE viewers. You know, I'd just seen the pay-per-view Sunday night. I'd just been there in person. Uh, the Bon Me at the Barclays Center, going back to that, very spicy, just to let everyone know. One of the spiciest things I've ever eaten in an arena. Uh, but it was delicious. It was just letting you know, very spicy. Should have gone with the pulled pork. So we are flying and vibing. We're going crazy. I'm jumping off the stage. I'm flying through chairs. I'm doing all my hardcore regular things. Last spot of this match, I get rock bottomed with a chair. I get punched in the head with a chair. During that mayhem, something, I get cracked the fuck open, pal. And so now I got this big old wound on the side of my eyeball all swelled up and I got blood in my hair and I got all this crazy hectic energy I have no phone I have resorted back to my full cave person you know like hunter gatherer form with this wild mange of hair and we go to this after party and it's very fun but I'm pretty tired and I'm just like fine with it and I'm like I could go shower this is a beautiful Airbnb but how often it's already pretty late, and my flight's pretty early. I said, how often do you get to go on Thanksgiving Day, covered in blood with a big wound on your head, into the Denver airport to just, like, ride or die on things? No phone, no plan. There's clearly blood all over this man. He's got a big Band-Aid over his head with super glue on it. He looks mangy, if anything, mangy. <laughs> I've got to do it. So I ride through this party, and... Here's one thing that is, I feel like I'm glossing over an important point. It was John's going away party. John, a big Lucha Libre and Last fan. Shout out, John. And it was his going away party. He had a cake uh, brought to the party that featured a giant, uh, what's it, What's the almond paste called? Marzipan? Marzipan? A giant marzipan mm. cock covered in squirt squirt. And a picture of me sitting on the balls of the squirt squirt with like kind of squirt squirt underneath me. It was a big... Effie sitting on a dick, red velvet cake. Brilliant. Incredible. Delicious cake. Fantastic cake. Pause. I got to pee. Okay, Peter. I know I just... We're, we're, we're talking about uh, this giant cock cake, but I have to shift to a very different subject real quick. Okay. And we have to do a super rewind. This episode is going to be all over the place because I'm all over the place this week, but I think it's totally fine. Back at this casino in Los Angeles, as I live and breathe, I'm walking through this casino, and I got to go to the bathroom. And I go to the bathroom, and standing outside of this bathroom are two very young children with fake mustaches on their face, okay? And this is a casino. Like, a casino, most are 18 and up. A lot are 21 and up. You can't have kids in the casino. I guess if the parents are, like, walking them through. But there aren't parents in sight. And these kids, I'm going to guess, maybe five to seven years old. Not old kids at all. Very young kids. And they're putting these mustaches, like, they're trying to keep these fake mustaches on. So I think, okay, well, maybe I'm just losing my mind. And I go into the bathroom. I pee. I wash my hands. I open the door. They are still there with these mustaches on. And then, as I'm walking away, they start kind of wandering through the casino. And I think at this point... 
I can't follow. This is crazy. I cannot. If I witness any more of this, I feel like I'm going to end up having to like show up somewhere and be like, I did also see the mustache children <laughs> in the casino before they were like kidnapped or something. I'm right. like, I'm out of here. So mustache kids, I don't know what the fuck you were up to. I don't know what you're thinking you're doing. Maybe there's a heist at play. All right. Uh, there's that there's that man with a growth disorder named Habusa, I think, on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok from Russia. I don't know if it was one of those things. I don't know what was going on. If there's a real heist happening, I the mustache children were the scariest thing I saw on this whole trip. I don't know what they were doing. What are you doing, mustache children? So there's we're having a good party. It's a going away party for John. A good time. Uh, I did get a little bit of sleep. But I did have to sleep very cautiously because of the bloody head. And then I went to the airport. And when you don't have your phone and all you have is your license, you got to kind of play dumbass. Like it's, you can't like roll up as confident as I would if I was like, scan my boarding pass, tag my bag, I'm out of here, see ya. You kind of got to be like a little more aware of the surroundings. So I went up to the lady and I said, My phone's broken. Here's my ID. Can you help me? She said, Of course. Oh my gosh, what happened to you? like what try to be as polite as possible. And then I realized in that moment, like the less complicated answer was I got hit by a car and it wasn't like I thought about it. And I was like, if anyone asks, I better say I got hit by a car, but I really sat there and I was like, I really don't explain that. I'm just, this is the second weekend in a row that I just end up with blood on me for whatever reason. I just said, I got hit by a car. And she says, that's horrible. I'm glad you're okay. I said, me too. And we moved on from it. And it was fantastic. But also, during this whole Denver trip, while I've had no phone, I was reading John Moxley's book the whole time. Now, John Moxley, uh, AEW superstar, the former WWE Dean Ambrose. But he used to be kind of a wild, ultra-violent, crazy deathmatch wrestler. And I read his whole book, and we have a lot of similar philosophies on things, a lot of similarities on things. And right before I board my plane home from Denver, I'm like, finishing this book. I have no phone. I still put my headbuds in, or what are they called? Headbuds? <laughs> yeah, they're called headbuds. I put my headbuds in because it keeps it quiet anyway. And the Denver airport was bananas on the day before and the day after Thanksgiving. And y'all were all yelling. This woman uh, heard a baby crying, and this was the energy in the whole airport. A baby started crying at one point, and she goes, that's not my baby. And I was like, oh, man, we know. Like, you're you're over here. Nobody's that worried about the baby. But it was very – there was a lot of pointed Thanksgiving feelings. Uh, but then there was also a guy, and I hate that I'm even bringing him up, in a turkey suit that he had bought. And he was walking around asking people if they wanted to take pictures of him in his turkey suit. Not like a turkey suit, like a mascot suit, like a suit, like a JCPenney suit, but the pattern was turkeys. And it was just like, bro, man, I I get it. You know, we all need a little joy out here, but this feels more about you trying to get some acceptance from the universe than you thinking people need to take pictures of a guy with, it's very odd. Don't do that. Don't, if people want to take pictures with you, do it. I've taken pictures with people in an airport. It's happened almost twice. And that's different, I think, than you walking around asking random people during the tail end of a pandemic if they want to take pictures with you in your turkey suit. What are you doing? That's weirdo behavior. I took a picture with him. I would help you. On with his that. phone. My phone was dead. I just said, do you want to do one on your phone so it feels like... He said, yeah, and he started crying. I got on the flight, though. I finished the book, 
And I land in Atlanta and I'm going to like check my bag. Did you have any fun reactions from like families and stuff looking like looking at me? They try yeah. to look away quickly. Okay. The vibe is like as soon as you notice it, you're like, okay, look away. Kids will just yeah. look at you though. That's Kids cool. won't say anything, but they'll just stare at you and so you can kind of give them the like. And you're wearing a mask, so they can't see the whole thing, like the blood still in my mustache. But they see what's going on, and I'll kind of like I'm gonna throw the hat back here, and that gives it a little more of like a something's up over mm-hmm. here. He's vibed. The back of my hoodie, though, the blood had soaked through with my hair, so it looked really weird back there, like it was dripping out my back. I don't know. It was, it was not a sanitary move for me, but sometimes you just go. Maybe I'm like the turkey suit guy. I had my own turkey suit on. I wasn't taking pictures with anyone, but it was sort of like I know everyone's going to see their families, and everybody's having a wonderful time. Here I am. I'm a stone man with blood on me. Matter of fact. You, the turkey suit was yang. You were the yin of that of the same energy. Wow. Did I create turkey suit man by existing in yeah. this form? Yeah, you created a strong polarity. And so the opposite of that polarity naturally has to exist. And it came in the form of turkey man. I'm sorry in the same fashion of Peter Pan fighting his shadow to the families that felt obligated to take a picture with turkey man. I had a great time at Lucha Libre and laughs. I got to see my friend Sean. I had my own Thanksgiving meal, and I've always been a person who has believed in my heart that you create your own holidays, okay? Whether they take place on that day or they take place on another day or you just have your own time. But I had my own Thanksgiving because I had a delicious plate of tamales, like I said earlier, the heartwarming feeling. Beans, tamales. But then I had a big old traditional plate of General So's fake chicken, they make like a fake chicken version at a lot of these Chinese restaurants now. Like it's just the same price. You can get chicken, fake chicken. General says fake chicken, crab rangoons. There's nothing more American than being an outlaw who has to eat Chinese food on a holiday. They're always there for us. They always deliver. They bring it to you. I need my sugar chicken and my crab wontons. Oh, crab rangoon. The best. So good. Incredible. I love it. Do we have we have questions this week? We do have questions. This was a rowdy week in my life. I just have to tell everyone, as you heard and felt, as true as God is my witness. So these questions are a little dangerous because I haven't read them beforehand. Oh, that's fantastic. I'll approach them as I hear them. I mean, I'm not guaranteeing answers to anything, you know? Okay, this is actually from Mark, who has written us a question before. Dear Effie, in parentheses, and Peter. First of all, thank you for reading my previous question and appreciate the detailed answer you provided. My next question is a wrestling-related one in response to your previous comments on not being in a hurry to sign a contract with any of the bigger-name brands. I was impressed by your recent promos for Ring of Honor and think it would be cool to see you regularly or sporadically on TV, even for a short time. I totally respect your position and think it's awesome that you've been able to build your own brand by remaining on the independent scene. My question is if the right opportunity came knocking where say you had the chance to wrestle a dream opponent or enter into a well together, well put together storyline, would you consider signing with a larger wrestling company, i.e. AEW or impact? If part of the deal was that you had creative control over your character and have had little interface from any writers or agents. Thank you, Mark from Australia. Mark. Okay. So this is always the controversy. A lot of people think I talk this way because like, it's like an attention seeking thing. Um, but as I, as I live and breathe and try not to brag too hard, what I've learned is 
when I'm not bound by anything or when I see people who are bound contractually into places, um, not that it would happen to everyone, but you are sort of eased into a sense of comfort and security. And I'm not saying that you should never feel comfort or security in your craft and your art, but I do feel that I'm in the position now where you do earn it sort of every time you're out there and you earn it every time you're out doing what you're doing. And you can't just show up and put on a bad string of things or you can't show up and, uh, you know, give in. Now you can take time off, you can do different things. But I think what a lot of guys are finding is this sort of as Ring of Honor is sort of falling off of having Sinclair money, as WWE is not becoming a destination anymore, as AEW's roster is sort of very, very full at this moment. Uh, and as they are bringing in more guys with, you know, a little more television experience who have, you know, time at other companies and not necessarily taking the risk on people who are outside of that system or coming up, you know, newer now, you know, some cases it's still happening. The opportunities where I have made the most money are outside of those bounds. And I know guys are making okay pay, but the pay has gone down a little even on television in the past few years. And I think... When I think about how I put together a match, for me, it is always to put together a match that makes sense for the time, the place, the story, the person. So do I count myself out of doing anything with those companies? No, not entirely. I think this weekend I had to hear, you know, I think there's a pressure on a guy like Dave Marquez who says, you know, we are on TV, you know, we're still independent wrestling. We are still seeking out our own sponsors. We are still seeking out, you know, our own distribution. And I think the concept of independent in wrestling means a lot of different things. And right now it, it is something that there's a stubbornness in the way I approach independent, but I don't think being on TV makes you not independent. I don't think, uh, doing a certain type of show makes you not independent. I do think giving someone long-term control or long-term exclusivity to you is, uh, a little bit dangerous in that you're giving them the power to say, Hey, you're now a, a product of them, or they may need you to fill a certain role. And for a lot of guys who are very proficient at this and good at wrestling, sometimes that's what they want. They want the direction. They want to be put in that way. But for me, like I'm scratching an itch and it's fantastic that we make a lot of money doing this now, but the itch is, uh, I have to know how this grows and how this changes ever since I've been in the business. And ever since I've watched the business, it has always been a, a look at me business instead of a look over here business where you, you're not necessarily trying to get the, uh, attention of a crowd or to become a draw yourself. You are hoping to get the rub from a larger entity that makes you a draw. And with crypto on the horizon, with the internet being the future, with distribution being wide open with Twitch and TikTok and social media and Facebook and all these things, I believe wholeheartedly that you don't need to sign a long-term commitment to cable television companies that have more corporate backing to become a more household mainstream name or to be able to live uh, and grow financially enough to not have any concerns in your life. And 2021 has been a year where I go, damn, I think if I would have signed a contract somewhere, I would have made a lot less money than I made this year. Did I have to wrestle a lot more than a lot of people? Hell yeah, I did. But at no point am I going to be told by someone or surprised by someone to say, hey, your contract's up now, or your money's not going to be guaranteed next week, or the company's folding within a three-day period. Wrestling moves extremely fast. Wrestling moves very quickly. You know, you can tell somebody works for NXT because they never put anything up on the walls of their apartments. Everybody has the same white walls on the apartments. 
it's a lot easier to move out when you don't have to fill holes in the walls or pull things down that you've had to hang up there in the first place. And it's sad and it's disgusting that that's the state of our business, but I made a lot more than some of my television counterparts this year by trusting my gut and going in my own path. And plenty of people know who I am. Plenty of people get to watch me. Plenty of people tune in for my matches. And I've been afforded a lot of opportunities, especially with GCW, to be on a big platform where people can buy in. But we've had to create the environment that they want to buy into. We've put the work in. Every every roster member shows up ready to put in that work. It's not just, hey, I'm here for my 10 minutes and I'm out of here. You know, day in, day out, we're doing charity event stuff. We're showing up. We're booking our own shows. We're taking the risks. That's the art of independent wrestling, and I don't see I don't see any ceiling on independent wrestling. And as I've watched it grow and as I've watched companies, you know, need bigger and bigger venues, as as I've watched our pay-per-view numbers grow, as I've watched the amount of money I'm able to make, or the people saying they're here to see us and they would have never considered coming to wrestling, the industry changed, the audience changed, the way we approach uh who knows what they're talking about in wrestling has not changed for most of y'all. And it should, because there's a lot of mid carters out there who are still in this business, trying to tell y'all how to draw money and how to put together matches who never drew money, who only filled time. And they are only making you worse. They are making wrestling programming worse and they are costing you opportunities that I'm out here eating up. I'm going to be doing a lot of wild shit next year. I do believe by my 32nd birthday to speak as confidently as possible as I can here that there will be no more important voice of what goes on in wrestling than myself, which sounds like a crazy concept, but watch it. I'm saying I'm, I'm giving a six months free here to say by June of next year, there's not really going to be anybody else you think of when you think of professional wrestling in the United States because we're shifting stuff that fast. Let's go crazy. Let's go wild. If y'all got an offer, make an offer. But daddy's in and daddy's out. Daddy shows up at his own call time. You better be clear of what you want of me ahead of time. I'll do what you want. And you better know that paying me to come to an indie where I'm going to sell my own merch, where I'm going to do my own match, and where distribution is smaller is a much, much different price point than paying Effie to show up to do anything else. Here's the caveat at the end. Here's the simple one. People are probably turning this podcast off now. They're going, he's being such a dick. Such a dick. I'm protective of Effie because Effie has worked for me for eight years and has made me money throughout that whole time. I will say this. Peter, you know Taylor Gibson. I do. I talked with Christy James this week and she said, let me hang out with Taylor. I said, okay. Taylor Gibson has run businesses and Taylor Gibson has fired people and Taylor Gibson has hired people and dealt with crazy people and had his life threatened and been over every gamut and spectra of weird entertainment and business and life. And, uh, he would be happy to work behind the scenes for your company to fix some of the things that are going on. Uh, whether it be, you know, just relations between your talents or whether it be helping you with making storylines make sense or, you know, figuring out a way to highlight uh, more diverse talents. You know, white guys do a pretty decent job at things, but it, it turns out when you put people of color or people from other diverse backgrounds uh, into those positions, they do just as well. So I don't know. Let's see. We'll see what happens. I'm here to help. Uh, the business moves very fast. I'm not saying no to anything except for long term. Um, and really, I mean, it's uh, Phil plus $1. So figure that out for yourself. Do the math on that. Yeah, not anytime soon is the answer. Come meet me out here. As I've said, uh, the water is warm out here on the Indies, but you got to know how to tread water, motherfucker, because this is turbulent, turbulent shit, and there's a lot of goddamn sharks. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Want to do another one? Oh, hell yeah.
Hi, Effie and Peter. I just wanted to say thank you for the show this week. You talking about the training and elephant book helped me out. I'm listening to the episode and... Oh, this was not a finished email. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening to the episode and the news from the murder trial in, and then it. Yep, there's a lot going on in our in our in our world. Um, and pardon me while I blow. I'm gonna clear my nose a little bit. Um, oh, is that something that actually happened? Yeah, I mean, there was like the Rittenhouse trial, and then there was the Mod Arbery trial. There's a lot oh, of trials. God. Here's what I say: How to Train a Wild Elephant. Once again, they're not paying me. I just really enjoyed the book. Be mindful of your own space and of those around you and uh, approach into the world, you know, with openness. It is not easy being alive. I am blessed in many ways. And so when I think of my problems and my quandaries, I comparatively understand that the world has a lot, a lot of bigger issues out there. And so I am mindful of everything and I'm mindful of myself and I'm mindful of protecting my own energies as well. You know, you can endlessly take in negativity and you can endlessly uh, grind yourself away trying to give back to stuff that may not always give to you. Uh, or you can protect yourself internally and know what you're getting into. Good email. You don't have to finish it. I finished it for you. That's perfect. That was great. The world's wild. Peter, we've had a good time this week. Do you want to do one last question? Oh, is there another secret yeah, one? Yeah, there's one more. All right. I think it, I think with the second one being half an email, we, we got to okay. do that because that was a half um, answer. And this is a long one, so we'll, let's go ahead and hop into this. Dearest Daddy, it's Tiptoe with Tulo. Yeah. Love the pod. Love this pod. And Peter to the moon and back. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing all these amazing stories and giving the fans a peek behind the curtain. So here's a question. Have you ever thought about changing your entrance music? I think you become one with your song, so I don't think the answer would be yes. However, if you did, what would it be? My suggestion would be Party Man by Prince. I just see you ripping through the curtain, marching out, and everyone going nuts. Entering Hammerstein on a fucking wrestling is gay float, throwing Effie bucks to everyone in the crowd. I have a team that could build the float in Long Island as well. Perfect. Anyway, just wanted to thank you for taking time to chat in Vegas at the GCW show. It was also great smoking an entire joint. Uh, you have an incredible soul and are always so genuine. We get to chat. Thank you for everything you do for this business and the fans. Um, thank you for the extra prints that you sent, uh, holding the gun and ripping a heater. Always and forever a fan of daddy, Nick. I love it, Nick. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, so sometimes I give a little bit of a canned answer, but it's genuine of, you know, people like, thank you so much for what you do for the business or thank you what you do for this or that. And I kind of say like, I'm trying so hard, but like, that's the truth. Like that's, I'm just always busting ass and doing it. Cause I don't know any other way. My dad's a workaholic. My dad retired and then got two more jobs. Oh, um, and so it's at least a work where I feel like I'm trying to make a difference whether I am or not. I'm at least, I can kind of see my footprints in things now a little bit more, which is exciting. I think wrestling would be a little different if I had never walked into it, which I think is a good thing to think about, which is sick. Um, I always want to have the time. Now, hold up. Now, bring me back on this question. There was something more meaty in here, wasn't there? Oh, the entrance thing. Yes. Here's the thing. Um, the song Life on Mars has been stuck in my head for almost 18 years, I figured out. I think that would make a fine entrance. I've had other entrance themes before besides Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Uh, I've come out to shares, take it like a man, boy, if you want my love, you better take it like a man. I've come out to justice, uh, safe and sound real long, dramatic intros I'm into. I used to come out to at fest, uh, my morning jacket, highly suspicious, which is just, wow. 
hot funkadelic and warms the room up. But I think the reason that, you know, Goodbye Yellow Rick Road, it's, it goes back to the ritual thing right now. And I think, uh, I think of the airport ritual and I think of the ring entrance ritual, but it sort of slows that room for me. It reminds me, I own my own art. It reminds me to sort of keep your fuck you about you. And it reminds me to be beautiful because it's, it's all those things, but it's still beautiful, but it's slow. And like, we're going to get up at my pace. We'll get up there. We'll speed up. But baby, we ain't starting fast. You're going to start with me. You're here to have an effy match. I don't care who you are. And uh, I'm going to take my time getting in the room. And I need that. And I think for Hammerstein, shout out, we sold it out in like a day and a half. And it will be the highest attended wrestling event ever in that venue. Outselling Ring of Honor, uh, ECW, WWE. This is crazy. Uh, GCW doing the big big shit. Um I think for my interest in Hammerstein, simplicity is going to blow your mind more than you think. So trust me on this and get ready. And I've heard inklings and rumors about what I may be involved with in Hammerstein. And I just want to say, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I might pull diva cards and change things up a little (laughs) bit. You know what I mean? Thanks for the questions. Weekend at Effie's at gmail.com. Shout out again to our sponsor, Rock and Roll Fables at RR Fables, rockandrollfables.com. I don't have the ad read in front of me. My phone is gone. I'm just a child of the sun now. <laughs> <laughs>